This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Please note that in this video we will be following the guidelines used at Boston Children's Hospital. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Hi, I'm Deb Morrow, a staff nurse three and the infection prevention coordinator for the cardiovascular intensive care unit at Children's Hospital Boston. Today I'd like to share with you some strategies that we have implemented at Children's Hospital for preventing surgical site infections. Epidemiology. The prevalence of surgical site infections varies by country and type of surgery. In the United States, surgical site infections accounts for about 15% of all healthcare-associated infections and about 37% of hospital-acquired infections in surgical patients. Surgical site infections lead to an average increase in length of hospital stay of four to seven days. Infected patients are twice as likely to die twice as likely to spend time in an intensive care unit, and five times more likely to be readmitted after discharge. Healthcare costs increase substantially for patients with surgical site infections. Surgical site infections are preventable. Pathogenesis. During the surgical procedure, microbial contamination can lead to surgical site infections. Sources of microbial contamination include the patient's own flora from skin, mucous membranes, or hollow viscera. Seeding from a distant focus of infection, especially when an implanted foreign body is present, and other external sources such as hands of surgical personnel, the operating room environment, and contaminated instruments and equipment. The patient's own bacterial flora is the most common source of pathogens that cause surgical site infection. Most surgical wounds are contaminated with bacteria, but only a few will progress to infection. Three important factors that determine whether microbial contamination of incision will lead to surgical site infection are the dose of bacterial contamination, the ability of the bacteria to invade tissue and cause infection, and the ability of the patient to fight infection. There are three classifications of surgical site infection as defined by the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Superficial incisional involves only the skin or subcutaneous tissues of incision and occurs within 30 days of procedure. Deep incisional involves the fascia and or muscle layers. And organ space infection involves any part of the anatomy other than the incision that was opened or manipulated 
during the operation, for example, the mediastinum. Deep incisional and organ space infections are considered hospital-acquired if they occur within one year of the procedure when an implant is left in place. Risk factors. A recently published study from Children's Hospital Boston identified the risk factors for surgical site infection in pediatric cardiac patients. These are a patient less than one year of age and cardiopulmonary bypass time greater than 105 minutes. In addition to the, these risk factors, risk factors for an organ space infection also included greater than three postoperative blood transfusions, preoperative hospitalization, and an aortic cross-clamp time greater than 85 minutes. Surgical Site Infection Prevention Bundle The four components of our Surgical Site Infection Prevention Bundle for pediatric cardiac patients include hand hygiene, which is the cornerstone of any infection prevention initiative, appropriate hair removal, appropriate use of prophylactic antibiotics, and postoperative wound management. Other practices that are recommended by the World Health Organization address preoperative showering and intraoperative skin disinfection. Before a patient's skin is prepared for a surgical procedure, dirt, soil, or any other debris should be removed. Preoperative showering may decrease the bacterial counts and assure that the skin is clean. At Children's Hospital Boston, patients receive a chlorhexidine bath the night before cardiac surgery. Preoperative hair removal should not occur unless the presence of hair at the operative site will interfere with the operation. If hair removal is necessary, remove by clipping immediately prior to surgery outside of the operating room. Do not use razors. Microscopic cuts caused by razors may serve as a location for bacterial growth. Several antiseptic agents are available for intraoperative skin preparation, and any of these is considered an appropriate choice if used correctly. These are alcohols, iodophores such as povidone iodine, and chlorhexidine gluconate. There are limited, high-quality controlled studies to compare the impact of different agents on surgical site infection risk for a given operation. Alcohol is inexpensive, rapid, and results in the greatest reduction in skin flora. However, it is highly flammable. Iodophores exert an effect while they are present on skin, but there must be a two-minute contact time to allow for the release of free iodine. Iodophores have no effect when they are wiped off the skin, and they are inactivated by blood or serum proteins. Chlorhexidine achieves greater reductions in skin flora than povidone iodine and has residual activity on the skin which can last for 48 hours. 
It is not inactivated by serum proteins. And most formulations of clohexidine skin prep contain 70% alcohol, which also poses a flammability risk. There are important points to remember for any agent that you use. The application technique must be correct. There must be sufficient contact time for the disinfecting agent. High colonization areas, for example, the umbilicus, axilla, perineal area, need extra attention. And the agent should be dry, allowed to dry prior to draping. At Children's Hospital Boston, the skin prep in the operating room is done by the operating room nurse. Our hospital is a large teaching institution, so this assures that the scrub will be done the correct way every time. The use of intraoperative antibiotics will not sterilize tissues, but the antibiotic will reduce bacterial contamination to a level that cannot overwhelm the body's defenses. The use of intraoperative antibiotic prophylaxis pertains to elective operations in which the skin is closed in the operating room. It does not pertain to preventing surgical site infections caused by postoperative contamination, such as delayed sternal closures in cardiac patients. In 2005, the National Surgical Infection Prevention Project recommended that the infusion of the first antimicrobial dose be 60 minutes before the time of incision. Infusion of fluoroquinolones or vancomycin should be 120 minutes before the time of incision. Additionally, for pediatric cardiac surgery at Children's Hospital Boston, a dose of cefazolin is administered at the start of bypass and at the conclusion of bypass. Maintenance cefazolin is started eight hours after this last dose. In pediatric cardiac patients, pro postoperative prophylaxis of antibiotics continues for 48 hours, regardless of whether there are chest tubes or indwelling catheters in place. Postoperative wound management is an important component of the bundle. We use a permeable dressing that allows for gas exchange but does not allow microorganisms to contaminate the wound. Gauze and tape dressings are also acceptable. We keep the initial dressing in place for 48 hours after surgery to promote healing. Nurses and doctors should perform hand hygiene and then wear sterile or clean gloves to lift the dressing for wound examination. We use occlusive dressings on all chest tubes, pacing wires, and intracardiac lines. We continue to protect the surgical incision from endotracheal secretions, ventilator condensate, sputum, and emesis in the postoperative period by the use of a dry, sterile dressing after the initial dressing is changed at 48 hours. At Children's Hospital Boston, we perform a sterile echo 
on patients in the postoperative period within five days of surgery or if there is still any indwelling catheters in place on the chest. The echo probe is covered with a sterile sleeve and we use a sterile gel such as a sterile betadine gel to perform the echocardiogram. Delayed sternal closure is used in cases where there may be edema or when the patient is unstable coming off a bypass. The chest opening is covered with a sterile occlusive dressing. The nurse should maintain patency of the chest tubes and monitor the patient for tamponade by assessing the level of the patch over the sternal opening. Patients are kept normal thermic or slightly cooler. The patient should be monitored for infection and that antibiotics broadened if symptoms of infection occur. The chest is closed when the patient is stable or body wall edema has decreased. Conclusion Evidence-based practices can reduce surgical site infection rates. These practices include appropriate antibiotic use, appropriate skin antisepsis, no hair removal or hair removal with clippers, and appropriate wound management. Hospitals should establish policies for the management of surgical sites. They should educate doctors and nurses on surgical site infection prevention and initiate communication training, which will help staff to speak up when policy is not followed. That concludes our video on prevention of surgical site infections. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.